0: Welcome to the War is Everything podcast, where we share scripture,
1: discuss the Christian metal scene and music, and help promote lesser-known bands. I'm Zachariah.
2: And I'm Hunter.
1: And we're your hosts.
2: All right, today's scripture comes from Acts 20, and it starts in verse 22, which says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Well, it's another interview episode, but uh, you guys don't get to hear Zachariah, not because he's participating as much as usual, which is basically nothing, but uh, because he's actually not here. And uh, Keebler, I don't know about that guy, but uh, yeah, we actually have... Dustin from Color Me Valiant on, so welcome, Dustin.
1: How's it going? Man, excited to be here.
2: We are beyond. Well, I am. I say we. It's we. Uh, we are beyond excited to have they're you. They're here on. in spirit. Yeah, they're they're here to to support me in, in other ways, but that's uh, that's <laughs> fine. So, uh, yeah. So let's. I'll just start with the story of how this even came to be as the interview, because usually what we do is we scour the Facebook groups and the the online and all the friends that we've created, uh, uh, through fellowship in the, in those scenes. But, uh, this actually is, uh, brought to you by the, the ACP, the all consuming podcast, uh, discord server. Cause that's, I actually got tagged by the blue phantom, which is his, uh, username on there to go talk to, talk to you. And even, uh, Steven from the Heavy Metal Prophet, he he also said something in that conversation and uh, kind of got this going. So yeah, glad that those the connections been, can do th- something.
1: <laughs> those guys have been uh, really cool to get to know. That's a cool community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I wish I had more time to, to spend in, in their server, but honestly, with hosting our own, it, it takes up quite a, a bit of my time on top of the other thousand things that I think I need to be doing in a day. So
1: <laughs> I understand that.
2: Well, yeah, so... Tell me the story because there's there is a good story to color me valiant and uh, apparently why I haven't heard of you guys but why I also should have heard of you guys.
1: No for sure. so um, we actually were we were playing um, up until 2013. So um, I'm 30 so graduated high school in 2009. And um, I was in a, another band uh, called Apparently We Can't Fly," which is an absolutely terrible name, and the most local <laughs> band name you've ever heard in your entire life, but that's okay. Um, and uh, we played a ton of shows. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, which is a like really, really popular metalcore and hardcore scene, especially back then. Uh, like mm. the biggest hardcore festival in the world is hosted in Richmond every year. Um, and pretty much every big Metalcore festival or, or show, or tour came through there. So a really awesome scene where like almost every weekend there was a, a big show. So got into the music scene, um, probably freshman year of high school uh, was, a you know, to your typical metalcore kid. And um, we started playing with some of my friends and, and that was my band and we were playing a lot, but all the other guys in color me valiant were my friends and they were in a band called uh, Oh, the irony uh, which is another, again, kind of you know a name that we, when we got together and decided to to kind of combine forces, we were like, I think we need to move on um, from, from both of those names. But so we played a lot of shows together. We were all really good buddies. Uh, me and three of them went to church together. Um, but when I graduated high school and headed off to college, I was playing college baseball and we were still doing the apparently we can't fly thing um, and just started to kind of decide that we wanted to go in a little bit of different directions. And at the same time, the you know, the irony guys had... Uh, guitarist that they were kind of moving on from. And that was what I did. So uh, we were all gonna end up being at college together at Liberty. Anyway, I was transferring up there. So we decided, hey, why don't we change the name, add me. And uh, we took the Secrets EP, which is on Spotify, uh, which was a Know the Irony EP. We re-recorded it with me doing the vocals because at that point I was the clean vocalist. And uh, that was Color Me Valiant. So we kind of did the uh, local slash regional thing where we were playing all the time. Uh, Lynchburg, where Liberty is, has an awesome scene as well. So we were constantly getting to play uh, with with all of our favorite bands, and uh, did a little bit of kind of up and down the East Coast, and then uh, decided that we wanted to like really take a shot at recording what we thought was some some pretty good music, uh, but we didn't want to do it kind of at the the local uh recording studio where he had done the Secret tp So. Uh, we raised a little bit of money uh, from a couple friends and some family, and then we dished out our own and we had it down uh, to Nashville to 456. Uh, we picked 456, uh, which was run by Brian Hood. Uh, Brian is an awesome producer and engineer. Uh, and at that point, he had done like a plea for purging and Gideon. Uh, he had just done the Being as an Ocean record, which like we really, really liked their sound. Nice. Uh, we felt like it kind of fit what we wanted. We wanted it to be heavy, but we didn't want to sound like uh you know Shango, we didn't want to go spend forty thousand dollars to go sound like every like rise core band either we kind of wanted that um melodic sound to go along with the chunkiness and we thought he did a great job of that so we got a hold of him it was doable financially and we headed down to Nashville and recorded that uh EP which ended up being center servant son um and one of the things that we had decided to do at that time in 2013 which you know Spotify iTunes were a thing, but like really weren't super popular. People were still, for the most part, downloading their music, listening to it on their iPods. Uh, so, or, or maybe their iPhones at that point, but we were still downloading music. So we decided we wanted to put it up for free on Bandcamp. Um, and then you could like give if you wanted to. Uh, for the first like five or six months, uh, the money we took in, if you did donate, uh, if you did give, we donated to uh, one of the members of a band called Worthwhile, uh, who was going on a mission trip. And so we kind of like we pushed it that way. We said, "Hey, if you give, we're going to give that money to to Kyle from Worthwhile." Um, And and things went well. Like people downloaded it. Uh, We used to like push the torrent sites too. We didn't care. Like just go get it, (laughs) you know. And uh, it got spread around a decent amount. Um, But then we all, at the end of the day, kind of knew it was either you know let's stop going to college. We were like juniors at this point, Um, or let's stop going to college and let's tour nine, 10 months out of the year. Cause that's what you really had to do at that point to, to try to catch on or, you know, let's, let's hang it up and, and let's go do the things that we felt like God had called us to do uh, in terms of family and ministry and things like that. And so a little bit after center servant son, uh, we played a couple more shows. I had graduated and got on as a, a, a youth pastor. And it was just time at that point to, to kind of decide what to do. Um, and so, 2013, I think, was was really kind of the end of that. That was when Center Servant Son came out. Um, but we really enjoyed our our time making that music, and I mean, we we got to see a lot of cool uh, things, like people from other countries downloading it, especially um, kind of some buzz around Orphan, which had you know Dan from Gideon in it, and that was like our explicit gospel. Like, if anybody hears any song, we want them to hear this one. Um, and we had people, you know, from Bogota who were like, "Hey, I heard your song." And I heard the gospel and like, and that was what we wanted from from day one. So it was awesome. You know, no regrets on that one in terms of uh, what we did. It was worth the money. It was worth the time to go do it professionally because that always helped. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where we were up till 2013, um, and then we all decided that it was time to go be adults and and uh, hang it up. We all sold our gear, and some of us bought praise and worship guitars and uh, played in churches. <laughs>
2: I, I know how that feels. <laughs>
1: how I, to, I, I, had to, I had to sell the 6505 Plus. It was a sad day. It was a sad
2: day. Yeah, I I sold my uh, Schecter Diamond 8. It was an 8-string guitar. Sold mm-hmm. it for, well, I mean, one, I didn't use it because I wasn't in a metal band and uh, bills needed to be paid. But I sold it, paid the bills, and then literally had my now vocalist say, hey, do you want to be in a band? Like, I don't know a few months later and i'm like are you serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i feel that yeah
1: i had a so, um i had a uh ltd like ec 1000 which is like in 2013 that was what every metal guitarist had yeah uh, i mean that, that guitar just ripped in a 65 5 plus with a you know pv uh half cab and and so like that doesn't really play well at church uh so no. those those went quickly and you know then it was like it was gretch time and pedal <laughs> you know like boutique pedal board time, uh, oh. real quickly after that, no more breakdowns, you know, uh, but so that's, that's kind of where, where we all, um, went, you know, probably I think four of the six of us, well, three of the six of us became pastors pretty quickly. Three of us went to seminary. Um, and wow. then, uh, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome to, to move forward. And those, the three guys that became pastors were, uh, like I'd been with my now wife for six, six years at that point. Hmm. Um, so it was like, Hey, it's time. It's, it's time to get married. If you know what I'm saying? Um, but so we, uh, we, we moved forward on that and, uh, you know, don't, didn't look back, but we had a, a blast being a part of, of the Christian metal core scene. And especially, I mean, that was like the prime of, yeah. of every, almost every band. Uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, a couple of days ago and you guys were talking about the, like you, you go to this city and you feel like you don't even get that show because you're a Christian band like that. That's the opposite of what we, we had. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, every, every Tour had at least one Christian metalcore band on it.
2: Well, we're um, outside of the Bible Belt. That's our biggest issue.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even even it just at that point, it was just if 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 venues and tours said no to Christian metalcore bands, you weren't getting half of the bands that were the most popular in the scene at that point. Yeah. And you had tours with guys who were talking about Jesus every show, and then the next band's first song was like a, about like child sacrifice, and there was a pentagram on the drum set. Like that was just normal. Uh, at that point, you know,
2: light and darkness. It's uh, it's how mm-hmm. the
1: world functions. Yep. Um,
2: I know it's usually the whole hallmark story or like the the really good movie from uh, Hollywood where they like to do the like, got, uh, group makes tough decision but ends mm-hmm. up the good guys in the end anyway kind of thing. And you know whatever mm-hmm. the the lame story is. But when it really comes down to it, especially in a situation like this, choosing to follow God's calling despite you know being in a band where technically it is a ministry. It's not like you guys mm-hmm. weren't doing the work yeah. of the kingdom even in that sense. But uh, I guess give me what you've got on that because I, I've felt that before and mm-hmm. I, I've understood personally that just because I'm doing ministry doesn't mean that that's exactly what God wants me to be doing.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think for us it was like a gradual thing and, and probably different for each member. Um, you know, like our, our clean vocalist for center servant son, like when we decided to hang it up, like he was the one who was the most ready to keep going and to take it to the next level. Um, but he understood at the same time. Um, but like me, Josh and Joe, jo- Josh was the other guitar player and Joe was, uh, our drummer. Um, I was headed to seminary. Josh and Joe were juniors and seniors at Liberty and headed to seminary as soon as they were done. Um, you know, they're pastors, kids. And like, that was what we knew was down the road, Um, you know, that was what we knew um, God was calling us to. And so um, everybody has, you know, those things that that God has put in front of them. Um, It's different for a lot of different people. Um, You know, for us, I think we were confident that like just looking at the the blessings that God had given us in terms of, you know, for me, like my now wife and um, the blessings he'd given me in terms of like how he called me to ministry. And I'd already really given up something that I had like really loved at one point baseball, um, to, to go into ministry. Um, cause I had to transfer schools to, to change my major and become, you know, do start doing pastoral studies and hmm. baseball wasn't really an option at that place. And God had kind of removed some ideas that I had about what I wanted to do, uh, already to, to really instill that, that seed of ministry. So, you know, we loved, we loved, uh, playing the music. We loved, um, being a part of, of, Like you said, being that light in the dark place where, you know, we were able to walk into a bar and there was 150 people there who, you know, would have booed us off stage if we hadn't already like won them over as as people who just loved them. Because like we were a part of the scene, uh, especially in like the Richmond and Lynchburg area to the point where like if a random Christian band rolled in and was like, let me tell you about Jesus. Like they're getting booed off stage, mm. um, but but we were able to to really be a part of it to the point where we could minister to them and love on them and have relationships that really allowed us to speak into that, um, you know. And I'm sure that's the uh, that's the hard dynamic of being a band that's touring that isn't big. Probably it's like you don't have a deep connection to each city that you hit, or yeah. um, and you don't maybe have that quote unquote clout yet um, to be able to be like for today and just do whatever you want, say whatever you want. (laughs) You know? And so for us, we, we really viewed like our local scene as that, like as that ministry of, we've got a special opportunity to share the gospel with dudes. Like I'll never forget. We had, we had uh, another band in our scene. Um, and every guy in that band was like militantly atheist. Um, but we, we were buddies with them. We'd known them since they were like 13 or 14. And we played, they played our CD release show. I'll never forget. They played in, uh, they got up and they were like, Hey, as well as you guys know, you know, like we hate religion. And I mean, they're just railing it. Yeah. Um, and then the, the singer ends like his, his, you know, 40 second spiel with like, but the guys in color me valiant, like they're the real deal. You guys need to listen to them. <laughs> and so they're like, huh? Uh, great. Yeah. You I know. Cause we're going to get up. We're going to tell you about Jesus. Uh, you know, and so, uh, that's a little bit of a, a rabbit trail there, but, uh, you know, I think that there's a time and a place for every opportunity to take advantage of uh, the blessings that God's given you, the gifts that God's given you, you know, and for us, um, those gifts really kind of rolled through 2013. And then God was like, Hey, you know, it's time to go do these things. But what's cool is like, you know, when we re-released Center Servant Son, uh, we had a couple of people who were like, I just listened to this last week. I was like, listen to to this last week. It's like, it's a nine-year-old EP from a band that like never signed, never, you know, and like that. Hey, good music, got, is good music. So that was that was really cool to see. Not because it made us feel like didn't make me feel like man, so good at music. Josh yeah. wrote all of it anyway, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, like it just made me go, wow, like God can still, God can still use stuff. I'm um, just from us, us being you know, faithful to the gifts that He's given us, and uh, even if it was nine, ten years ago, and He Absolutely. uses technology, that's pretty cool. You know that He can just. God, God, takes advantage of the things that are uh, available to Him mm-hmm. uh, to keep the gospel spread and 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 being impactful.
2: I think there's two sides that we've already touched on. Uh, one of them being where you had said that there are people from other countries that were saying, "Hey, just listen to your music." Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fantastic because obviously, in in the modern age, and you're talking like 2013, 2014. Nowadays, it's even more important, right, 100%. and it's it's the majority of what. Especially a band that doesn't tour gets their uh, connections from it's just people online that are across the world. But uh, I also want to challenge people on the whole thought of mission work, because yes, you know the band itself was uh, a ministry, but the the connection that you guys made to your local scene, mm-hmm. I believe, especially playing in bars, which is why I wish I could play. You know, we could play in bars more often up here is because you guys are making a connection, a serious connection with those who are struggling who have not yet found Christ or are struggling mm-hmm. to reconnect with Christ. And I love playing Life Fest and I, I love going to play other Christian festivals and events and other things like that. But that's a celebration with the saints. I want right. to see the lost come to Christ. Mm-hmm. So I I absolutely admire and I I wish I could be that in you know in that situation myself you know, no. I say that and of course God would give me that and I'll I'll just <laughs> fold in a moment. So no,
0: <laughs> but no.
2: uh it's it's just one of those things I I hope people see that that it's not just you guys, oh we're a band, we're playing in the scene and oh we're doing this. No 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 this is this is local mission work mm-hmm. for the people who aren't being reached who don't even consider coming to church on a Sunday morning.
1: Right. And that's so. the that's the hard part about like, you know, like hands on the table for me. I'm I'm huge on on the importance of the the local church and the importance of like legitimate membership and accountability to a physical local church as a believer. Like I just I think that's a non negotiable in scripture, um, you know. And so the the hardest part about like any ministry like that that's like technically parachurch or is is not connected to a local like church mm-hmm. um, is always keeping that in your mind. Like the goal is not to just make sure that these 150 people like hear a 42nd gospel uh, message. The goal is to bring the gospel message so that God can work in the midst of it. And then the the hopeful goal is then discipleship and and continued relationship that always flows towards the local body, Um, you know, because that's a hard thing. I think people have, uh, they have a hard time with in general when it comes to ministry. Like I know I'm also kind of involved in, in uh, e and gaming and things like that. And there's a lot of cool Christian parachurch organizations. And the this biggest struggle that they have is making sure that the people who are involved in them don't believe that the parachurch organization is the church, right? It, that, that, Oh, I've got my fill. You know, I went to the Minecraft thing on Friday with a couple other Christians. Like I'm good to go. Um, like I think one of the most important parts of, of ministry outside the church in general is always understanding that like the telos of discipleship ends in like the physical body in the local, the local church. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about that when I was 17, that's for sure. Right. I was like, I'm going to the bar yeah. and we're telling people about Jesus. We're playing breakdowns, like, yeah. you know, and so it's, uh, that is obviously developed, you know? Um, but I do think that, you know, God was helping us to build those relationships. And it was easy in our scene because it was, there was a show every weekend. So if we weren't playing, we were there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we weren't guests to the scene because we grew up in it and we were, we were at the shows we weren't playing, you know? And so uh, we were lucky to be in that kind of a scene where, I mean, there was, it was a weird weekend if there wasn't a show um, and not just like local band shows, but but big stuff, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, utilizing that opportunity to build relationships, um, and not just be like those random guys shouting on stage, um, but be people who are like, Hey, I know him and I know he cares about me. I know he, he wants the best for me and, uh, whatever he's saying up there, I might disagree with it, but like, I'm going to listen, um, because like, I I think he's the real deal. Like that's what God is looking for, um, in terms of, of sending people and, and equipping them. So. Hopefully, we did a decent job at that, and when we messed up, God's gracious, you know.
2: Absolutely, I, I want to challenge the uh, the current atmosphere. I guess you know, with recent events taking place uh, politically and otherwise, uh, there's a lot of shouting from both sides right now. Oh yeah, and uh, because of that, I think we're missing out on a lot of potential to give grace, and I'm not saying that. Uh, we should sit there and allow sins to happen, and we right. shouldn't be sitting there uh, pointing fingers from across the aisle either. Um, but that being said, like what you guys did, when you're at the shows that are not your shows, when you're meeting these people and, you know, you go up on stage and somebody is in the, the crowd and they can say, yes, that person or like you guys uh, from Color Me Valiant. They could name me, like maybe at least first name, maybe first and last name. Mm-hmm. Maybe they know me outside of your kind of thing. That builds a relationship that allows for those tougher conversations because any any pointing from any side without that relationship really causes a strain between values rather than mm-hmm. people. Because now we're, we're looking at a person and we're saying, what you believe is all you are to me. Mm-hmm. And that's really rough. I mean, unless you're a brother and sister in Christ, which in case what you believe absolutely is important to me,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: uh, that's not all you are to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, 100, 100%. And that's the, you know, I, looking back kind of on our time doing all of, the, all of the stuff we did, like there was never a moment where I hopped on the mic after the fourth song and said, hey, everybody, let me tell you about Jesus. And like, there was never a moment there where I can point to and go somebody in the crowd, raise their hand and, you know, gave their life to Christ. Mm. Um, But what I can say is that there were plenty of conversations had uh, with a guy that I went to lunch with the next week because we met at the show or um, online or with a guy at the next weekend when we weren't playing, we were just there that I know was informed by what I said on the stage, right? The gospel was, was, was doing work in their minds. um, But, the fruit oftentimes comes from that that next piece, where it's investment, you know, and that that works everywhere. Right, that works everywhere. If you're listening to this, and you're you know in the ministry, or you're going to be in the ministry, or um, you know you're just a, a, like a layperson who's everyone's called to make disciples. Uh, investment is is the key. The message needs to be the message. The gospel is clear, um, but investment is the thing um, that I think is so often. Uh, skipped over. I'm going to say the right things at the right time, and we'll be good to go. Um, and in, investment oftentimes is the thing that brings the most fruit, um, the thing that has that lasting staying power.
2: I actually want you to expand a little bit on that because it's it's very rare. Granted, you are a pastor, so obviously your understanding is a little different and it's a little deeper than the the general evangelical would. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, uh, Zachariah and I, we both very much, and even Keebler, our th- our third co-host, we totally are for the the church and accountability within the church and pastoral leadership mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, why don't you expound on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, man. Um, like, what what specifically
2: would you like so me like, to expound on? Uh, your you said your goal was not only uh, to teach them about Christ, but then mm-hmm. the goal. Ultimately, was to lead them into a relationship, like you were just right. talking about, uh, being intentional and in that, yeah. and the fruit of uh, being with them, not just talking Jesus to them, kind of thing. Hundred percent. So, yeah. As you I, follow I, up with them, how does that look? And you know, even going forward, like, hey, you know, maybe you should check out this church. I don't know what mm-hmm. you guys did when that came up.
1: Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Um. You know, when I was seventeen and eighteen, it probably wasn't as measured out in my brain. Um, but thankfully, like my my mom and and some other people in my life had really driven home the importance of, of the local church, um, you know. And so when we were building those relationships, like it was always in the back of my mind, like this person saying a prayer, this person, you know, giving me lip service is is not the goal. And you know, having another person say that they you know made a decision, like it's a good thing, but what's the goal of this The goal's making disciples that don't look like me that look like Jesus. Um, and man, on my best day, maybe I can say like, like Paul does in first Corinthians, like imitate me as I imitate Christ, but the the lights, you know, obviously still on, on Christ and imitating him. And so um, I think the big thing that we, we miss out on and really every opportunity for evangelism, um, is, is the fact that all, even evangelism is, is discipleship. Like we can, like, we just split them up. Like, Oh, well, I'm going to do evangelism. You do discipleship. Like evangelism yeah. is done with unbelievers and then discipleship is done like over here. And it's like, well, a lot of times those, those become muddy and kind of unclear mm-hmm. um, because they're really the same thing. Um, they're really uh, at the end of the day, they are building relationships through the explicit gospel message to, to help people to look more like Jesus um, and so whether or not that's the, the first time someone decides to, to, to give their allegiance to, to Christ and to follow him, um, or it's the 50th time that they have to wake up that morning and decide today's the, a day that I'm going to live for Jesus. Um, the thing that scripture is very clear about is that we don't do that alone. Um, and, and I think having a relational, uh, mindset about evangelism is so important because it sets the precedent for that. Like, hey, I didn't come to Christ in the back of a room and I never talked to anybody. I heard some guy on stage say something, prayed a prayer by myself and I went home and I was good with God. Like I, that, that, that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most healthy way um, for something like that to happen is for the relational aspect to, to be at the forefront. So it's I, someone shared the gospel with me and loved on me and cared about me and, and, and lived life with me to the point where I saw Jesus in them and in their message. Um, And so then the natural thing to do is then just go live life with others as a believer. Um, And I think that that's what's really missing a lot of times is that disconnect between like discipleship is not an alone game. Evangelism is not an alone game. Like as a youth pastor for a while, I got to go to youth conferences and see, you know, the whole shtick of, you know, everybody bow your heads and and close your eyes and raise your hand if you said yes to this prayer, Uh, but don't tell anybody because like you might be nervous. Um, and as I got more mature and, and understood scripture more, um, like I really started to buck up against that because it's like, well, one, if I'm making a decision for Christ, like I need to be bold. Um, and, if, and if I'm really want to give my allegiance to King Jesus, like I, I should want people to know that. Mm-hmm. And so why start my relationship with Christ, like in the dark, nobody, nobody watch. keep your eyes closed. I'm going to do this by myself. Um, and I think that's really as I've matured in understanding what scripture has to say about like walking with the Lord. Um, it is not done alone. And that's not just talking about like with the Holy Spirit and and, and and with Christ at our side, it's not done alone because like we are a community of believers, uh, physically. And then, like, man, now we live in this culture where this like there's technology to the point where like two dudes who love Jesus that are how many miles away can just like talk about Jesus on a podcast at nine 15 at night on a Saturday, you know, that, that in itself is, is really awesome. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to, um, am I living in community with other believers? Because scripture tells us that that's like a gift from God. Like We, we, we think about the Holy spirit as a gift from God, which it is obviously hmm. uh, a very important gift from God, but, another gift from God in scripture is other believers to hold you accountable, to live life with you, to encourage and exhort and rebuke and all these things. Um, and like God's given those things as, uh, as a, as a gift and as an empowering part of living the Christian life. So, um, uh, I would, I would say just, you know, as you think about that, like anybody listening or are you guys, as you think about that, when you think about any, anything you do in life, Like, how are you fostering community alongside that message, right? I'm not just going to stand on the stage and tell you about Jesus. I'm going to try to live life with you um, in a way that you see Christ in me. Um, When I mess up, you see repentance in me. um, And you see that the real life can be lived for Jesus. Um, I I think that that's the thing that's going to really change culture. It really does um, because a lot of people talk. A lot of people say things. A lot of people believe stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, What separates is like real life change, real movement from darkness to light. Uh, People notice that.
2: Yep. I I love that. And I've been – I felt the spirit really trying to push me in that because, I mean, I – in a non-sinful way, I pride myself in maintaining relationships with as mm-hmm. many people as possible. And it's not because I want to have network with literally every person imaginable, but uh, because God is obviously bringing people within my path, and I don't want those people, especially like this in this podcast, I don't know for the for the guests they'll know this, but for the, the people who listen, and even some of them now because we have the Discord server, I am extremely intentional about staying connected. I, I hand out my mm-hmm. phone number more uh <laughs> more often than I probably should be to just random people that I've met. <laughs> I mean it is what it is because these people are people I I offer the the ability to stay connected with when they may not have somebody to to do so. If locally their their connection, the groups they're a part of just may not understand or otherwise just they wouldn't fit in. Um but yeah, it's it's absolutely vital to the Christian life to stay connected to other believers. And we've talked about it in the in the conversation on the topic of forgiveness where uh, uh talking about confessing your sins to others it has nothing to do with them being the propitiation for your sin because that's Christ and Christ alone. Mm-hmm. But they are there to then say, "Okay, well, you have a history of this. So now I will be watching for that and as your mm-hmm. brother or sister in Christ, I'm going to make sure that you are doing that less."
1: Yeah. And like our, our natural flesh combined with like the super hyper individualistic culture that we live in, in America, like recoils at that idea yep. of like accountability and community. Uh, I mean, I think the mantra of our culture is I'm going to do me and you're going to do you like that's, but the, the problem is, is that's the, that's an antithetical to scripture, mm-hmm. right? Like once you are Jesus's, nothing is yours. Uh, it's his and his brides That's your whole life, you know, and that's whether you're a pastor or the dude who sits in the back row or, or the guy who teaches Sunday school or like whatever you are, once you're his, there is no, I'm going to do be right. That, 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 that's just doesn't exist anymore. Um, mainly because you now represent Christ. Like, you know, when we look at the idea of the image of God in Genesis chapter one, like there's, there's there's verbiage to that. There's, there's action to that. It's, you're an image bearer. You are called to be mm-hmm. God's image, um, you know, to be his ambassador, to be his representation. Um, and so like no, nothing in your life is, is yours now. Uh, and I think our, our culture hates that, like, especially Western civilization, uh, so hyper individualistic. And mm-hmm. so now you, you give your life to Christ and you find out like, Hey, you know, everything is, is now the community of Christ because they represent, uh, Jesus, and um, including your whole life, right? Your, what you do at home, what you do at baseball, yeah. what you do at work, it all is, is now Christ and his brides. Uh, and that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but when I see Christians really swallow that pill and just and give into it, man, that's when you see people like develop into what God has called, called them to be. Uh, because like you said, I mean, everything from just being pushed to grow in Christ Um, held accountable to fight your sin, all of it, um, we are more well-equipped together uh, to do all the things that God has called us to do.
2: You brought up a good point, and I haven't thought about this in a really long time, but in Genesis, the imago Dei, the image of God being uh, image bearers, Mm -hmm. we all are brother or sister of Christ or not, non-believers that are as well, and that's what makes sin so absolutely abhorrent and uh, mm-hmm. and I think even doubly so for uh, for the one who has been claimed by Christ because now not only are we image bearers of God but then at the same time we are also like you said bought at a price so mm-hmm. not only was our life already made or our image made uh, by God but now we also are entirely owned by, by Christ's sacrifice and so literally everything we do is to the glory of God or to the glory of self, which is now sin.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, and, and that's the, uh, when I really started to dig in and like, dive into um, the language that scripture uses to talk about like being in Christ and being made in God's image and this idea of like the, the functional Imago day, like things really started to I mean, make so much sense when you're reading scripture and it's saying, um, you know, it's talking about doing this and, and doing that. And it, it's not, it's not just this random obligatory God's up in heaven. Like I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Cause I said, so God is, God is explaining and setting up for us, um, how we are to live in a way that, that bears his image. Right. And that's why, like you said, sin is sin, because sin is failing to bear the image of God. Um, and, and so if sin is anything that's outside of God's will, um, and God's will is who God is, right? His character and his nature are, yep. everything that he tells us to do is just an outflow of his character and his nature. Um, and sinning is failing to bear the image of God. It's representing him poorly to yourself and to the world. You I know, think about it, like I get mad and I yell at my kid in a sinful way. And what am I telling my kid about who Jesus is? Because my kid knows yep. um, that I claim to be Christ, right? And that that's every uh, everything I do, like you said, either, represents Christ well, or, or fails to, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a big burden to carry, but um, you know, Jesus tells us that it's actually pretty light yoke if we just kind of give it to him um, and understand that there's grace when we, when we err, but uh, repentance to be had when, when we, when we need it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Last point I want to make, because I do want to get onto the song at some point and yeah. two pastors can talk about theology it, forever. It's we uh, can we go,
1: we can wax about this forever. Yeah.
2: So. The last point I wanted to make was uh, a Martin Luther quote, uh, because I believe that uh, salvation is by faith alone and that it's nothing that we can do, that it's mm-hmm. entirely of God's. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And uh, so it's a gift of ours to have faith. Um, but that usually then uh, pushes people in the direction of, well, then I don't have to do anything. Like, But Martin, Lu- Martin Luther's quote is, uh, uh, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And this is, yeah. this is where what you're talking about, where you, you live out being a Christian, you show them that there is a genuine faith that does not have uh, church hurt. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, human to human, it's always going to be sin somewhere, and it could cause hurt. That's just what we understand, but obviously what we want to do is best represent, and that comes by us working, that comes mm-hmm. by us acting and, and doing things um, in a way that uh, represents Christ Absolutely as best as we can, understanding that we have grace when we fail and doing our best to explain that to non believers, which is very difficult, not gonna lie. It's it's one of the hardest things to explain yeah. that yes, we're hypocrites, but we don't intend to be hypocrites kind of right. thing. So uh, I just I know a lot of people tend to get on the I think almost everybody that I connect with is pretty much on the faith side of things because it's scriptural. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how else to tell them that, <laughs> but, right, uh, right. but uh, works are absolutely not required, but they will come from the faith that the exactly. Holy Spirit gives us. So, yeah. and I like right. to see that from all the bands that we connect with, but it's super cool to, to see you specifically talk about that.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, my, the language that I've used kind of as we talk about the idea of grace and faith has has shifted a little bit over the last few years. Is like I'm I'm a little bit of like a first century um, like culture nerd. Um, that's just kind of been my thing. Like in a couple of years, my my goal is to to head out and and, and do some PhD work, and um, probably like New Testament contextual theology will be um, the the route I go with that. And so like um, over the last couple of years, I've I've been really pushed to 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 think about like okay, in, in first century culture, when when Paul says you know, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Um, you know, that, that the words there for grace and faith, uh, Karis and Pistis, what's really interesting is if you dive into first century culture, you, you find out that that's actually a social dynamic that he's appealing to um, between what's called a patron and a client. And you have the patron who uh, is this this wealthy person who has power and influence and and, and affluence and all the, all the things you could want. A lot of times they're politicians or they're just someone in in that city who basically could do whatever uh, they wanted. And then the client was someone who was really unworthy of uh, even working for that person, unworthy of even being, you know, they weren't a slave of that person, but um, to even be a part of that person's life uh, was kind of unthinkable for, for the client. But what the patrons would do is they would offer caris, They would offer grace um, to certain clients um, in exchange for what they called faith. Um, you know and 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 the grace that was extended by the patron, whether it was you know the opportunity to work for them or or the opportunity to uh, live in their house while they did this or that, uh, it was unmerited because the the client didn't deserve it. right there was, there was nothing there that the client had that was worth anything to the patron. Um, but what's really cool about it is you can go back and you can read uh, Seneca and other other people from that time and they talk about this idea that, it was expected on the client's end um, that if the patron gave them grace, that they would be, uh, they would be allegiant to that patron. They would go around, they would tell everyone in the city about how great and gracious the patron was. And that was expected. If you receive grace from a patron, you become their, like you become their guy and you, yeah. he's, he is your, uh, he is your, your, basically your boss. And he is more than that. He's your friend. Um, But at the end of the day, what he is, is he's the person you want to make much of. Um, And then on the patron side, the expectation was that the patron gives expecting nothing Um, in the sense that like, they're not trying to just get something from the client. And so you have this grace on one end and this faith on the other. Um, And so what's cool about that, I think, is that it allows us to understand faith and how faith interplays with allegiance and, and loyalty to Christ uh, with, without losing the idea of grace, right? We're still not working for anything. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. Um, Romans four talks about how faith is not a wage that we're, that we are worthy of a return for it. Uh, but God has graciously decided that our faith brings a return um, because, c- because God loves us and because God has made a way through Christ. And so uh, I just, I piggybacking off of that. I, I love kind of diving into that stuff because what it allows us to do is really understand, like in our culture, grace and faith are religious terms, right? Like we, we think about them solely through that kind of narrow lens of, um, but then you dive into James and other passages in scripture and you see that like, even the demons believe, well, that word for believe is, is the same word as faith. Mm-hmm. And so you go, okay, well that's not saving, right? We know that demons aren't saved. Um, and so what's the difference between the pistis that the demons have and the pistis that the, uh, that the believer has. Uh, and I would argue that it is this, this loyalty, right? This fidelity or allegiance that's imperfect, right? Um, But it is a disposition that I have towards the King of Kings um, that that I'm his, you know? Um, And so a little bit of a side tangent there, but that's uh, something that I really love to kind of dive into when we, when we talk about the gospel, because I think that's what's missing from uh, this idea of easy believism, where we all want to push back on that, especially like the reformed church, right? They want to push back on this idea of like, pray the prayer and you're good to go. I think the missing link there is that faith is, faith is loyalty, um, mm-hmm. just as much as it is saying something or believing something. Um, the difference is our disposition to who Jesus is. He's the king. He's the Lord.
2: If you think getting made fun of for being a Christian is bad, imagine being a Christian and being like us who enjoyed that her- hermeneutics and enjoyed the <laughs> cultural aspect and getting laughed at by pastors for talking about it. I mean, I make jokes, yeah. I make biblical jokes that are so deep in stuff like that, that there are times where I'll have pastor friends of mine just kind of like laugh because they're they're not understanding, but they're nervous because they should understand, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. God, that, I mean, but that stuff interests uh, me so much because that's the
1: that's the biggest thing that I've run into, kind of diving into. Because I'm from a Southern Baptist background, I went to a Southern Baptist Seminary. Um, you know, like most Southern Baptists, they only read Southern Baptists. Uh, that's just kind of the way the the way that our denomination is. And like over the last couple of years. Like I, I started to get out of that bubble and like, Hey, that's a, this, this guy over here, like he's a, he's a really good theologian. He just happens to be Wesleyan or he just happens to be Presbyterian or, or I mean, he, he's Anglican like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. Like, and as I've done that, I've started to realize, man, like I'm still firmly Southern Baptist, yep. uh, but we're missing so much when we live in our little bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I think the reason I think there's a lot of pushback on those kind of conversations is, our pride doesn't want to admit that. Like I've been reading the Bible for 10 years and I'd never thought about faith as loyalty. And then now I'm told that the whole time Paul's probably thinking about something like that. When he uses the word that can be hard to swallow, right? There's a humility that has to exist where I can say, I thought I had this all figured out. Now, the more I know, I now know I knew less, Uh, you know, that, that can be tough, but I think it's a, it's a good transition to make. Um, as you, as you dive in, there's like, there's the things you hold with a closed hand, right? Like the gospel is held with a closed hand. The authority of scripture is is held with a closed hand. The importance of the local church, like all those things there, you're not prying that out of my cold dead fingers and I'm not going to let you. Um, but man, like there's some stuff over here that it's easy to hold with a closed hand that like, we should go, Hey, like, I want to learn more about this. I want to, I want to, I want to test this. I want to, I want to apply this to scripture, be a good Berean and say this thing I've always thought. Is that true? Uh, you know, and that's when I really started pushing on that kind of stuff. But I would say that's probably the reason you get that is no one wants to hear that they haven't thought of something um, that might be true about Scripture if they're a pastor or a theologian, you know.
2: Well, just think about how adamant Paul was about going to Jerusalem when all the people, and mm-hmm. was it Caesarea, were like, no, you can't, you can't go there. And he's like, no, seriously, I'm going whether it kills me or not. It doesn't matter. Right. So, I mean – you see it in that I mean that's all it takes to really see that paul really he saw faith as allegiance
1: yeah, and all you have to do is is all you have to do is go on Twitter for like twenty minutes um <laughs> in, in in what I call weird Christian Twitter, and uh, you'll see like pastors cutting each other's heads off oh, over like man. secondary secondary and tertiary issues yep. you know and it's like I, I mean i've i I have some things like again, I'm a Southern Baptist who has some some theological opinions that are like they're they're not right down the line of what you would expect from a Southern Baptist and like I've had times before where people have flipped off the handle for something that's really not a big deal and I think I think it's uh it's an uncomfortability with difference um and the reason why I think the guys that are um doing the best in that field uh read other other denominations and and read dudes that that grade on them a little bit because like you need to be to be to be pushed and, and to be forced to think that way. But yeah, I think uh if you if you take the totality of the New Testament and you you see what Paul has to say about faith, it's really hard to get away from it as as like this this trusting loyalty, right? This loyalty that is bred out of a of our true trust that what Jesus has done um is enough and that he is on the throne. You know, that's another thing that we we don't spend enough time on. Like we talk about Jesus as savior, but we don't we don't spend enough time on Jesus as king, mm. um, which, I mean, that's what Lord meant. That was the point of yeah. of of the enthronement, like he's at the right hand. Um, and that's just as much the gospel as as Savior.
2: We actually talked about that on the last episode, Zachariah and I, because uh, the song that we released yesterday called Crowns is uh, taken directly from Revelation 4 and 19. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously in Revelation and uh, John's vision, he's, he's talking about uh, – Jesus coming back with, you know, blood and swords and he will be, you know, the one that destroys all who are mm-hmm. who are uh, non-repenting, uh, who are unrighteous now because they're not covered by the Lamb. And so it's, I realize we don't sing about that a lot. I mean, not that that would make a great CCM song <laughs> talking about, uh, you yeah. know, him separating the unrighteous from their heads, but uh, yeah, it, we'd, we miss a lot of... Christ being Lord in, yeah. in modern evangelicalism, whether it's in our worship, you know, music worship, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess the rest of our worship entirely as well. Yeah, um, I
1: think when we say Lord, we usually like kind of just mean a synonym. Like it's like we say, oh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Like we just kind of mean Savior and Savior, yeah. um, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we don't talk about kings. We don't talk about allegiance. Like we don't talk about those types of words, but like that's that's the language mm. Paul was using. Um, and then you go back and you read all these passages about, um, you know, you read all these passages with that lens on and you're like, this is the most obvious thing I've ever read in my entire life. Yep. Like, um, uh, I, I think I've heard people before who say there seems like such a disconnect between Jesus's gospel of, you know, like carry your cross and follow me and be my disciple, give up everything for me and Paul's gospel of faith. And it's like, n- no, like they're it's the same gospel. Um, both are talking about loyalty all right fidelity allegiance um, and there's room for grace there because we we often suck at it um you know but man are we is jesus like king of our lives is he on the throne like that's that's the question we have to answer
2: i think we're also used to seeing a different caste system than uh than the early christians or even you know mm-hmm. pre-christians the uh, israelites um because our caste system is almost entirely economic or political whereas 100%. uh back then it was a lot more uh, specific like you literally had people either naming themselves based off of where they lived, or also based off of who they were owned by as slaves, or
1: right. who their parents were or father was. So, yeah, one hundred percent, man. All all of it really starts to to open up as you as you dive into that yes. stuff. But so for anybody listening,
2: definitely. Definitely dive into the culture. If even if you yeah, aren't man. going for a Bible degree, like seriously go look at the culture of mm-hmm. first century Christians and even the uh the Israelites just pre Jesus. It it's so eye opening. Yeah. I'd say important at this point because we've missed so much. We're two thousand years removed, so it's 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 important now.
0: Yeah.
1: Big recommend on New Testament and the it's world by uh Wright and uh Michael Bird That that was that nice. was the one that really got me rolling. Uh it's a it's a thicken though. It's you know. Don't don't think you're going to read it in a week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've had the Bible all our lives, and yet we're still rereading it over and over again. It's obviously that important.
1: 100%.
2: So uh, let's get on to the song, Commission. Yeah, man. So this is the song that you had picked. Tell me, why did you pick Commission specifically?
1: Yeah, um, you know Commission was the single we put out for this one. Um, I think that one of the reasons why I picked Commission was, I feel like it does a good job of highlighting kind of the different pieces of our sound like um you know you've li- if you've listened to the ep you know like there's there was two or three of us who at this point had completely stopped listening to metalcore um and like every breakdown was like oh not another one <laughs> uh, you know and like our vocal our, our clean vocalist all he listened to was like indie pop uh you know and like in, in uh what was me which you can tell based on the way he does some of his, like his singing, but uh, you know, and then in our vocal, our screaming vocalists, like listen to like thrash metal and stuff. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of different influences coming in um, and you can kind of hear that throughout the songs. But I feel like this one does a good job of highlighting um, a little bit of, of all of that. Hmm. Um, But most importantly, like the big theme of center servant son for us was, um, you know, obviously in the title was based off of the prodigal son and this kind of feeling that we have approaching grace of like, I am a sinner. And you know, when the, when the prodigal son comes home, it's like, man, maybe I can be a servant. Like may, maybe my, my father will take me back as a servant. Like I want to come home. I know I need to come home, but he still don't really recognize just how good God is. Right. He didn't really recognize just how good the father was going to be until the father graciously like reinstitutes him as, as a son. And so um uh, one of the big themes throughout the whole EP is that struggle back and forth of like, I know who God is, I know what He's done for me, like I I rejoice in that grace, but I still like sometimes I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I'm nowhere near where I'm supposed to be. Um, and then the other piece of that is like struggling with um culture, struggling with loved ones who don't know Jesus. Like that, this song is is about um a really close friend of mine who walked away from the faith. Um, And uh, just about like that, that back and forth of my mind of like wanting to love on him and wanting to care about him, wanting to share the gospel with him um, being afraid that like it would never work. Right. Just all of the emotions that come into like how much you care about someone. I think about Paul in Romans chapter nine, I almost used almost gave you that past like Romans nine, one through three, where he's talking about the Jews. He's like, man, I would give up my own, salvation for them to yep. just get it. Yep. Um, you know, and that, that's another theme that really runs strong through the EP. So I would say musically and lyrically, I think commissioned is kind of the best um, kind of the best representation of what we were going for. We did not want to be um, an angry metalcore band who just happened to like mention Jesus. Uh, we did not want our lyrics to be super, super vague and like, Oh yeah, they're Christian. I think, um, you know, like we wanted it to be deeply personal, but also like explicitly, uh, Christian, um, and, and theologically, you know, deep, uh, and, and not just kind of surface level, uh, you know? And so that was the goal was kind of to figure out how we can do both of those. How can we be super personal? Like we were listening to a ton of wonder years at this point, um, you know, which is like not this music at all. Uh, but I always love because the wonder years is like, they're talking about super duper personal stuff like going to denny's with their friends but somehow you connected to it you've never been to their denny's and you don't even know their friends <laughs> but you feel yeah. like somehow you know and so like we wanted to capture a little bit of that where it's like we're not going to pull back and be vague about what we're what we're talking about um and who we're talking about and things like that but at the same time uh we want we want it to be like deeply christian um and, and edifying so there's a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. in this song especially where it's like positive 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 you know, a lot of the screaming sections are very like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, man, I love you. And then the singing sections, like he even says in the chorus, it's back and forth of like, you're blaming everyone else for your mistakes. Like, you need to look in the mirror and realize what you're doing. But I still, you know, it's like that, that tension of, I'm, I'm mad at you for doing what you're doing, yeah. but I still, man, like, I, got, I gotta love you, you know? And so that, that's kind of why we picked this one.
2: I like it. i I always have a hard time with this one because I'm not trying to shun any one side or the other. But uh, I personally, as much as I can, uh, and I I dislike the posts that are always, what's a Christian version of this band? But Mm -hmm. I enjoy being able to replace my secular music. With 100%. entirely Christian lyrics, because then when I finally have the lyrics locked into my brain, like the other ten thousand songs that I've heard for the last fifteen years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then it'll actually have a decent impact rather than just me reciting every Breaking Benjamin lyric line by <laughs> line. So <laughs> it'll actually have something worth singing about.
1: Yeah, and yeah, so, that's a. I've been having that. Uh, I've been like begging people to someone for someone. You guys, you might not like this band at all, but I've been begging for like a a deeply religious like biblically sound something like sleep token i don't know if you've listened to sleep token i'm familiar oh like i'm in love with it um and but the problem is is that sleep token is uh the band has like this um all of them wear masks you don't know who they don't there's no one knows who they are and they have this like story that they have been like visited by this god in their dreams and all their songs are singing to this like fictional, yeah. you know, and it's obviously a fiction, yep. but at the same time, I'm like, part of me just goes like, Oh, like this, if this could just one, like not be weird. Yep. And two <laughs> like, be about Jesus, that'd be sick. Yeah. You know? So anybody out there listening, give me Christian sleep token. I'll sing on it. Just record all the music and send it to me.
2: <laughs> there you go. And yeah, it's, I understand why people push back against that because Christian music when you're looking for replication usually right. ends up meaning not as good.
1: Right, like they're going to be the worst ver- like the worst version of, yeah. of Sleep Token. It, like it's hey, always man. the
2: Walmart brand yeah. version of whatever. Oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. friggin'
1: so, uh, Mountain Lion Sleep Token or something, <laughs> you know.
2: So, yeah, and I get why that's the case and unfortunately there are, there are ways that we can pull from secular music and bands that we doesn't require us to dive into that specifically but uh yeah finding those bands that uh, do that stuff but have that deep of a a christian message like unmistakably christ is in the music kind of thing i Mm -hmm. i adore that i want that (laughs) that's the music i I want
1: and i mean it happened back in 2013 too but like when i was jumping back into metalcore here recently it was like man there's still so many bands it's like is is that is that christian song or are they just not cussing yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Is, is, is this a christian band or are they just not cussing i can't i can't tell i'm just assuming they're christian because there's no curse words yeah. uh, you know it almost reminds me of that south park episode where it's like they just take all the songs about girls and make them about god uh, it's like is this about <laughs> girls or is it about god um uh, but yeah so moving on <laughs>
2: that's yeah it, it's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I try to stay away from that as much as I can, but I keep getting sucked into it though. Like, is this Christian or not the, yeah, yeah. the, the game that everybody likes to play? So it's, oh, it was,
1: it was, it was a great game to play too. And like, especially in, in when we were really into the scene because you had mm-hmm. all, all these bands who like, they were playing off Christian imagery just because they knew they were going to sell more shirts. If you thought maybe they're a Christian band, Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> right which is probably the opposite today but back then that was that was the thing
2: as much as i want to ask because you had mentioned uh is it you said dan from gideon right mm-hmm. yeah yep. as much as i want to ask i'm not going to because for the sake of not uh not going there yeah. it's a it's a rough situation but uh there are yeah, definitely I, bands uh, that have
1: i cried when we got that guest like when when, when the when Four five six sent us over the first version of orphan with, with him on it. And cause like our, our vision in our head, like was exactly what he, he put down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, we picked him because of like, there's just this visual, like visceral passion in his, in his vocals. Yep. Um, that like, we wanted that. And when like, they sent us, we were all, I still remember we were all sitting in a car in Josh's car and we, we pressed play and like everybody in the car was just like crying. Like this is the gospel presentation we wanted to finish the EP with. Um, And, uh, you know, given the circumstances now, doesn't change the fact that uh, it's, it's still, I think exactly what we wanted it to be.
2: Yep. Yeah. I I think the only thing I wanted to say is that regardless of what the current circumstances are, the gospel was given and, and Dan was a major part of that, especially on Mm -hmm. the song orphan. So, you know, God was still working regardless and he still continues to in that song. So big facts. Um so with the song commissioned, is there anything about it that uh would make for an interesting fact or something like behind the yeah. scenes that we wouldn't know otherwise
1: yeah, so like um one of the one of the reasons we wrote this song actually was uh it was influenced by i don't know if you ever remember that quote uh there's a quote that was attributed to I think Aquinas. Um, that was like you know preach the gospel at all times if necessary use words oh yeah I've heard it and <laughs> we we hated that quote yep. <laughs> because I, I just don't think it's biblical nope uh, you know and so we were like let's 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 kind of push back on that a little bit um, and so actually for the for the music video for commissioned um, it starts with a quote from Billy Graham uh, it it pops up on the screen it says the greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless and like kind of our thought process and our goal. Um, for this song was like, we want people to know, like, if you're not, if you're not telling the people you love about Jesus, um, if you're not passionate about uh, not just living in a way that like people will like me because I'm nice. Um, if you're not sharing the gospel, um, you're really missing the point of what it means to love someone in a Christ-like way. And so that, that, that's one little tidbit is we had that quote on our mind when we, when we wrote this song and when we, when we did the music video, it was like, Hey, we want to not, um, you know, we want to not pretend like we can really share the gospel without ever using words. Sure. Um, cause it's just not, it's just not in scripture, but so like the first line of like, this is a message of hope, you know, um, the beginning part as well. Like that's me talking in the beginning, totally. You, you probably will, will laugh when I tell you this cause it's obvious. Like that came straight from hearing uh, the beginning part of uh, this, the "Who I Am" song from uh, "Life in Your Way." Mm. I don't know if you ever listened to that song. It
0: sounds
1: Um, familiar. Oh, dude, it's it's so good! But it, he start they start that CD off with the uh, lead vocalist talking, and he's like, "This is a message for like the outcasts and the broken, and and like those who've had abortions and those who are drug addicts and those who are like," and he's just like naming off like. Mm. The 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 worst of the worst people. He's like this, like this gospel's for you. And so like that was heavily influenced uh, the way we started this song off is heavily influenced by just how bold that was. We we're like, man, that's like wait, we want to we want to have an EP where we're explicit about the gospel. Why don't you just like say it at the beginning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like let's just do that. Um, so that that's definitely uh, a big piece of it. Um, we the the last part is another really cool story. Uh, the last part that's the lead vocal like the the singing vocals we did not write lyrics for that we just uh we we did the the music and we were doing our demos to send down to 456 uh, our our lead singer just wanted to just go at it so we just put it on a loop and he just sang hmm. um and like we were like look man like just like speak from the heart about how you feel about um, you know this topic and this message and like what we've been kind of working through um as we've been working through this song and so like that whole last part uh was not written at all it just came out and we were like that's it we don't want to tweak it we don't want to mess with it like that's it and so when we went down to four five six he just he just essentially uh tracked it the exact same way uh, but it's spontaneous so we did bethel before bethel did bethel you know
2: <laughs> the spontaneous worship nice. <laughs> Oh, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, obviously we'd never get that from just listening to the song.
1: Yeah the uh, the first breakdown, the uh, the guy four five six Brian uh, tried to get us to change it because he said it felt like too much of a tone change, hmm. uh, because like the song's pretty like sh- like hundredth counterpart like. You know, like open chords, yeah, you know, old under oath. And then like that first breakdown has got like a little like, like southern piece to it and like like this really like funky lead. And he was like, No, I don't like it. Uh, but we we told him we didn't care.
2: So. <laughs> He'll say, Hey, it's it's your guys' money, so <laughs> yeah. Very nice. If you had a line or two to highlight in the song? Obviously the entire song has a fantastic message, but if there is like, if someone was like, Hey, I need like just a line or two from this song to really give the message that you wanted to, or just encourage somebody, what would be the thing that you would pull from here?
1: (sighs) Man, uh, it's real simple. Um, It hits me every time though, because like, this is about a real person that like I love and know. Um, but the, the breakdown before the last chorus where it's like, I would rather die than watch you waste away. Like that for me and kind of encapsulates the rest of the song where like it's, the song starts off with kind of not generic, but it starts off with kind of more of a broad like, hey, this is the gospel. Like the message of hope is for the weak, for the broken. You're not alone. Like, but then it becomes very personal in the choruses and in that breakdown, because like I said, it's, we we were, we we're thinking about a specific person that we love and we wanted, you know, to see thrive in Christ. And so, um, the passion behind that breakdown, I think, you know, and the words are simple, but I would say, man, like the people in your life who don't know the Lord that you love, like that's the way you should, uh, you should view the urgency that you should have, um, for them mm-hmm. in Christ.
2: I'm, I'm definitely not about the, uh, soul emotional, uh, representation when it comes to like someone just coming up and crying, like if they were able to force themselves to cry, like to me, I might not know that, but, uh, I would under, I would try to understand their emotional response as valid and just, you know, honest. But, uh, so I don't, I don't want emotions to ever be the reigning factor of anything I do. Um, But I absolutely believe that the modern church would be so very different um, if we took that part of Romans 9 seriously with what Paul says. If if we seriously lived like I would trade my salvation for them, Mm -hmm. if we lived that way, if we could internalize that in a way that truly impacted our day-to-day living and our interactions with others, this world would be a very different place
1: yeah and then you just go read acts and you're like oh he didn't just say it Yep. no like he did. yeah <laughs> he went to every city and he ran to the synagogue
0: yep
1: right like he, he ran he went to the synagogue and they're like hey we're gonna kill you yep. and he's like yeah i'm gonna go to the next city and i'm gonna go like straight to the synagogue and he just did that <laughs> you know um that's like and, and it's cool too to see like his uh his human side too, where it's like, he gets frustrated. He shakes the dust off his feet and he's like, I'm never doing, you know, but like, then you get to Romans nine. It's like how this dude, like that was, that was the lifeblood of his urgency. was a deep, passionate love for, for people. Um, some specific people Mm -hmm. in his life, you know? And so I, uh, hopefully we, we captured that. Well, um, and at the same time captured this, this struggle of like, Hey dude, you're screwing up, but like, there's still hope, mm-hmm. you know, like you need to understand the urgency of where you're at, but there's still hope. You know, we, we can fall on both sides of that, that fence so easy. Like I just want to be so positive that we never, we never even hit this. Like we never hit the sin part of the gospel. We never hit, the uh, the urgency of, of repentance and 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 being made right, um, and then the other end is like we just yell at them, and we we never really give them an idea that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like both of those have to be there. They have to be be strong parts of the message.
2: And I, I think it it gets well represented in those lines. If you were to come come to somebody, you know, like the person that you said you wrote this about, going to them, and if you were to come to him in just absolute tears just i i want you to know jesus the way that i know him because i know what the other side is but not because i i want to just wish punishment on you for not al- declaring allegiance to jesus mm-hmm. but because jesus offers grace so freely right. that all you have to do is come that's it just mm-hmm. just come to him that's all you need to be doing so it's yeah it, that type of response is is what we need to see more in the modern Modern realms anywhere. And I'm not even going to just say the church. We need it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Any last notes for the song or other things that you wanted to hit on? Because I know we could talk forever.
1: I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, you know, one thing, not just based on this song, but, you know, one, one interesting cool little tidbit is, you know, we did all the demos and everything before Center Servant Son. Um, with a guy named Chris, who was our, early lead, uh, screamer. And, uh, a couple months before we were supposed to head down, we'd already done all the demos. He like got in a car accident and it messed up his throat a little bit. He had some issues with his throat mm-hmm. and, um, we got down to Nashville and like, it, it just, he couldn't get it done. Um, from, like his his throat was still having problems. The doctors were kind of worried about, um, him straining it and things like that. And it just, it, We were in Nashville. We'd spent thousands of dollars, and like there was this feeling of like, man, like I'm sure he feels like he's kind of let us down, Um, but but he stayed really really excited about um, the EP either way. And so we got home, and and basically what had happened was the guy at four five six had said, hey, like I'm really good at mixing. You just need to find a decent studio and somebody to do the vocals, and go do it there. Send it over, and we'll mix it in. Um, and Chris w- just really wasn't able to, to do it. And so, uh, Chris had a friend named Jeff who listened to like only Grindcore. Uh, <laughs> like he just he Jeff, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but like your musical tastes were terrible. Um, you know, and so we, uh, one day we were just talking he was like, I can do it, man. He was like, I, I can do it. And I was like, like, we're not bringing on this song. Yeah. Okay. We're not, not we're not bringing on this song. He was like, no, no. Like I listened to some hundreds, like I can do it. And I was like, okay. So we went to my car. I'll never forget. We went to my car. We're at church. I put this song on. and was like, go. And he just started screaming. And I was like, yep, that's it. Like, that's exactly the sound we want. That's exactly the tone we want. Like, we don't want up, down, up, down. We just want yeah. like that counterparts hundredth yeah. go at it passion. And so, so Jeff is actually the vocalist on the entire EP, um, and was not the vocalist of color me valiant until after we even got back from Nashville. Um, he tried out in my car and uh we went to the local studio and he did all the songs and we sent it off to nashville and they got uh put in and uh all all the time they're like chris who was you know the vocalist was super supportive and just wanted people to hear um the music and hear the gospel and and uh, jeff jeff killed it uh obviously i think he's actually one of the highlights of the ep i think he's a very very good um you know vocalist uh but god kind of had our backs on that one in a lot of ways too, because it could easily just fell apart, um, you know, but, but someone was able to step in and, and get that done.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, hearing that about Chris, it's such a terrible thing to have happen, but uh, I always like to remind myself and everybody else uh, I've said it at least a few times on this podcast uh, when God takes away the, the abilities and the aptitude that he's given us, cause it's a gift. If he takes that away, are we still faithful to him? Because if we're not, Amen. then it was only meant for those gifts that we were Amen. Uh, doing that. So, hundred oh, percent. My last question for you, I Uh-oh. promise, this is the last one. <laughs> what does the future hold for uh, Color Me Valiant?
1: Lots and lots of pastoral ministry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, you know, uh, lots of babies um we've we've got like i think a total of like eight kids represented in the band wow. uh and i've i've got a ninth on the way well huh. not my ninth like yeah. i have a third on the way yep. who is number nine congrats Um, i'm i'm you know like subtly you know texting the guys like hey look like technology's different these days like we could we could just we could easily make in some new stuff and, you know and right now they're they're all like i don't know so you keep listening to the to the EP and bothering them about it, and maybe we'll, we can write some new stuff, um, you know. But for the most part, like I, I I felt I tell you the first reason why we put we we, we re released the EP because it wasn't on Spotify, it wasn't on iTunes, mm. um, but for some reason Secrets was, which was the old EP. Yeah, I, I um, saw that. And one. people would people were like, "Hey man, like I listen to Secrets," and like I was like, "I don't want you to listen to that because like." <laughs> I don't think it's anywhere near as good as Center Servant Sun. Sure. And they were always like, Well, I don't have that. And so that's why I kind of went back and uh we put it on on Spotify and we put it on on the streaming services. And then people were like, Hey man, I've still listened to that. Like, thank you so much for putting it on. Um and that's kind of what has caused a little bit of like that that just resurgence of talking about it and, and having fun with it. Um and I just want God to to use it in any way that he can. Yep. Um we'll probably, you know, never. Write anything else, but uh, you know, maybe if you can convince Josh, because he's the mastermind behind all of it, anyway. Uh, you know, but I'm I'm definitely looking to uh, to kind of f- flex my writing muscles and stuff, and 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 try to make some new stuff here soon, and put a little studio in here, because like I did the Twitch streaming and and I do YouTube for our church, and I have a a lot of the the gear that will be necessary in 2022. We could have never done it in 2013, sure. Uh, you know, and so hopefully I'll get a chance to like make some new music and and, and have some fun with that. Um, but as far as Color Me Valiant's concerned, Sinner, Servant, Son is probably the last thing we'll, we'll 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 get from them. But
2: well, I'm I'm literally a nobody, so my opinion Matt does not matter at all. Um, but uh, if it were up to me, you guys definitely should, because uh, this is the type of stuff that I mean, I love being as an ocean, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the more melodic elements, I feel like I miss a lot in their stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that a lot out of this EP, the center servant son. Um, yeah.
1: That was Josh only listening to under oath the story so far and newfound glory. <laughs> okay. That's what that was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And then it was like me, like I was the generic metalcore kid. So I was like, no, 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 Like you got, where's the breakdown? Yep. You know, Josh just wanted to play easy core and uh, you know, and our, our lead singer only wanted to like, do like uh never shout never or something, mm. uh, you know? <laughs> and, and what you got from that apparently was, was a uh, center servant song. So
2: well, if, if something new were to ever come up, you can consider me sold, excited, ready. I'm, I'm there. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll send that to everybody. I'll send that to everybody. Like, look, <laughs> it's funny though. If you, if you go back and listen and you go listen to sleepwalker, which is the last song we wrote, um, you can tell like we were all done with metal core at that point. Mm. Like that song is basically a pop punk song in C, like with a couple breakdowns. <laughs> I mean, and we, we were all ready to roll. Or like the uh, the section in in my heart in my head that's essentially like an R&B section. Like, that was Kyle who was our lead singer, yep. who was like, look, guys, like, Woe Is Me is really cool. And this was before Woe Is Me was big. Um, and like Tyler Carter and stuff. And he was like, I just, can we have like a Tyler, can I do a Tyler Carter thing? And it was like, How? I guess we could put that right after the super heavy breakdown. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, man, we'll we'll see. Maybe I can convince them to do to do uh, something. But we'll just have to figure out like what bedtime the eight kids have, and uh, yep. and do it after that.
2: That's that's fair. In the meantime, I will be doing everything I can to figure out where Chris and uh, sorry and Josh live. So I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be figuring out where all these guys are, and I will yeah, be yeah. personally mailing them things that say. Yeah make another album or else so,
1: Josh and Josh and Joe pastor up in Richmond. Um, okay, so you guys and, are all uh, still Josh, local-ish. Yeah. Yeah. All, okay. uh, all of us are still local. Um, Josh and Joe pastor up in Richmond and Josh helps with a seminary, uh, uh Acts 29 seminary up in Richmond called Grimkey seminary. All right. Um, and then I, I pastored like probably 35 minutes South of there. Um, and then all the other guys are still around. Will goes to their church. who was our basis, but we're all still around, man. I think, you know, I think I can convince them. I'm just, I'm, I I have like I'm probably responsible for a lot of the lyrics, but Josh was like probably ninety-nine point seven percent of the, sure. the actual the actual like music stuff uh was him. So he would he would need to hop back on board and, and probably remember how to play. So because I don't <laughs> think he's played guitar in like five years.
2: Yeah, it happens.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
2: all right. Well, I'm assuming that uh all the major platforms will be covered. I usually throw all that in the show notes and all that anyway. So uh, anybody awesome. looking for Sinner Servant Son or even Secrets, but apparently Dustin doesn't want you listening to that. Uh, but it's, it's there. It's solid.
1: It's solid. It doesn't have our, our lead singer on it. Um, we added him after. It was actually after a show. We played a show, and I was like, if I have to sing one more time, like, it was just exa- – <laughs> it was exhausting. Oh, yeah. You know, I was I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm tired of playing four chords every chorus so that I can sing. Like we wanted to be a little, we wanted to be like a little bit more technical, like especially in our choruses, because like we were doing the Devil devilish Prada thing of like, we we'll get to the chorus, you play four chords, you sing six notes really high, yep. and you move <laughs> on. Like uh, we, we wanted to get a little bit more developed than that, and it just like I'm not good enough guitar player uh, to do what Kyle does and actually play. So we added him. Um, he was actually the vocalist of my previous band, and uh, so Secrets is good. It's solid. Uh, it's just not recorded near as well. And uh, and uh, I think just a step back in terms of, you know, everybody gets better, hopefully. If you're not getting better, you might as well
0: quit.
2: Huh? I'll take that advice. I'll just quit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. If you guys are looking to connect with Dustin or uh, hear some updates on Uncolor on Me Valiant at all, jump in the uh, All Consuming Podcast Discord server because uh, they they have Dustin – held ransom most days they do but no uh i'm Uh, I'm there
1: i'm there of my own accord
2: yeah or come to see our server the blue fire horizon one because uh anything that dustin posts concerning color me valiant or even his whatever he comes up with next will be shared immediately before he could even have the chance to come share it on our server
1: (laughs) so let's make some uh anybody out there who's who wants to make some 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 uh beautiful sleep tokens slash uh Old close your eyes. Give me a ring. Let's do it.
2: Hopefully somebody finds you because (laughs) I've been looking forward to it. (laughs) So, all right. We got commission coming up next. God bless. You can help support us by heading over to anchor.fm forward slash TWIE pod and clicking on the donate button where you can select one of a few monthly donation rates of $1, $5, or $10. All money helps keep this podcast up and running as well as supports lesser known Christian artists. Thank you for listening and God bless.
0: Can you